Yeah. Welcome to Backyard Broadway. I'm Andrew. I'm Abby. Oh, it's another cold night. Yeah. Not as cold as it has been. No. The snow has mostly melted. You still have some remnants. I do. It's still too cold for me. It can be 95 degrees outside and it's still too cold I for I would her. still be wearing this hat and coat and blanket. Uh, can I just say your birthday present came the other day and I am so looking forward to you opening it. I love that my birthday present came in February and my birthday's not till May. Because I found it mm-hmm. and I knew if I did not buy it in that moment, I would forget about it. Even if I like made a note somewhere, I would forget about it. <laughs> and I showed it to Kat and Kat was like, you're a dick. Oh, God. <laughs> You said the same thing with my Doctor Who shirt, though. I mean, I was a di- the Doctor Who shirt was a dick move. Yeah, but I like the shirt. Yes. You'll like this, too. I'll just call you an asshole for it? Yes, no, you'll okay. call me an asshole. I mean, I call you an asshole for a lot of things. And Kat was like, is she even going to wear this? I was like, how many times did she wear tank tops last summer? Oh, I don't know. Pay attention to that. I was like, she wears tank tops in the summer. She already knew it was a tank top because I had to ask her what size, guys. <laughs> I was so confused. Don't be like, did he just fucking tell her her present? I was no. like, why are you asking me my tank top size? It was really random. And the fact that you were doing it through my work messaging when you weren't even at work. Because like, I knew I'd get a faster response that way. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? And then later that day, that's the same day you called me at work. I'm like, what is happening? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand this day. I was driving and was not going to text and drive because I was driving on... Uh, Massey School. Oh, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Um, there she is. There she goes. Oh, fuck you. I'll let you out, Sophie. Oh, god damn it. Come on! I'm too old for this shit. Zoom, zoom! Motherfucker. She's like, are you gonna play with me? No, I'm not gonna play with you. I'm recording a goddamn podcast. <sighs> so I guess we should get into this. You mean the fact that I predicted the future? She predicted... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say you predicted the future. You just read my mind. No, I predicted, the, I predicted the future because I saw the announcement and I go, he's going to want to record about this. And then you texted me and I go, yep, this is what we're recording about. I don't know why I just lost my mind for two seconds. Only for two seconds? <laughs> <laughs> and people will wonder why we're best friends. <laughs> I'm like... It, Every time anybody has ever asked if we're doing it like rabbits, I'm like, you don't know how she treats me, guys. <laughs> You'd it, not be asking that question if you sat in on one of our conversations. Tip for tat, motherfucker. Right. I'm just as big of an asshole. <laughs> uh, we are talking about Beetlejuice tonight. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. The musical. You have to say it two more times. I don't need him to show up right now. Why? That'd be awesome. He could be interviewed for the podcast. Um... I do have to mention, because I saw this on TikTok, um, the show, I believe it was Community, mm-hmm. had a three-season running gag. In one season, somebody said Beetlejuice. In another, the next season, somebody said Beetlejuice. In the next season, somebody said Beetlejuice, and he walked behind them. Somebody in the costume. It wasn't How Michael Keaton. awesome would it have been if we did that? And he just showed up to do an interview for the podcast. Um, I would squeal like a little girl if Alex Brightman showed up here. If I had that much pull. (laughs) Yeah. Because I have my contacts now. But you're wearing glasses. (laughs) Look at you in the dad jokes. I try my best. I know. Peter has taught me well. I think I got cheap cigarettes. (laughs) This is the fourth one that has done that. 
No, that's because you don't have me packing them. I packed them really well. Anyways. <laughs> um, yes, we're talking about Beetlejuice the Musical from start to present day. Um, and Warning, there will be a rant in the middle of this. <laughs> Not in the middle. I'm going to save it until we get through everything. Warning, there will be a rant. There will be a rant. Rant but or rant? Rant. What? A rent. A rent. Ooh, a that rent. Came out. That I've been listening to a British person's audiobook, um, oh, which we'll get to with Rec Room. That's dangerous. Uh, yeah, when I go into group and I'm like, good morning, how are you all today? And they're like, the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and it takes me a solid five minutes of just being in my own head. I'm not British. I'm not British. I'm not British. I'm not British. <laughs> uh, to get out of it. Um, so, Beetlejuice the Musical... Well, let's let's preface this episode by saying Abby asked her Uncle Rick. Oh, yeah. For... Hi, Uncle Rick. Hi, Uncle Rick. For... I love you and I miss you. Some advice. Say hi to Katie and Laura for me. For some advice... And Aunt Barb. On how to make... Don't worry, I'm, I ran out of people. How to help... How oh, to, and Jay. Say hi to Jay, too. Are we done? I think so. You think so? <laughs> I'm sure I'll be corrected at some point. Abby asked her Uncle Rick for some advice on how to kind of like tighten up the podcast yeah. and kind of make it a more enjoyable experience for you, our listeners. Um, so I just thought it'd be good because he, you know, to have a listener's perspective and I knew he's really good about giving criticism in a very, like, in a non-negative way. Yes. And he, you know, he... Is a writer. He, you know, has had editors, and so he kind of knows that whole process. And even though, you know, he says like he listened to him, he doesn't know a lot about the podcast about podcasts or theater specifically. The uh, the concepts still apply. Yes. So um, it just bugs me, and that's her. So Beetlejuice musical has a book by Scott Brown and Anthony King. Music and lyrics are by Eddie Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Eddie Perfect. Wow, that... Who is an Australian composer. His last name is Legit Perfect? Yes. Um, and he's a well, fine-looking gentleman, too. Someone thinks highly of himself. He is a fine-looking gentleman, too. Um, and you wonder why people assume things about you. This is true. But he did a video when they did the release of the second Beetlejuice album. We'll get to that. Um, and I was like, I was like, who is this man? I was like, that is like a very handsome man. And then it was like, oh, that's Eddie Perfect, who's the composer. Oh, interesting. Anyways, moving on from my Broadway crush diatribe. The show premiered in Washington, D.C. in a limited run, October 14th, 2018, to, I almost said 1118, November 18th, 2018, at the National Theater. Let's talk about some of those reviews. Oh, I, the mixed reviews? I have made note of three different, well, two different reviewers, uh-huh. but three different comments. Okay. So the first one is from Jeffrey Malata of the DC Metro Theater Arts. Um, he said this of the new musical. Beetlejuice is bold, bright, and impossible to miss, but it is so supercharged with manic energy and competing ideas that I can't imagine how it will sustain itself when it heads to Broadway. Bet you feel like an idiot. <laughs> Paul Harris with Variety wrote, 
The production's $21 million budget and eight years of development have clearly yielded a mountain of embellishments for the razor-thin plot and a host of ways to zero in on the target audience. Indeed, excess is the principal problem, from that rapid-fire barrage of special effects to the book's tiresome dependence on crotch jokes to the abundant slapstick. But that's what Beetlejuice is. That is what Beetlejuice is. That's what, that's what, that, that's what, that's what Beetlejuice is. So it also seemed from these reviews that star Alex Brightman gets the brunt of the criticism as far as the acting goes. Um, This is also from Paul Harris. Brightman wears out his welcome almost instantly. The stage version of this character could be reined in for everyone's benefit. Then it wouldn't be Beetlejuice. Then it would not be Beetlejuice. It would be boring. Yes. Like, Beetlejuice is the way it is, and they did it the way they did for the nostalgia of people that love Beetlejuice. Whether it be Michael Keaton or the cartoon or... I loved the cartoon. The cartoon was awesome. I Every time I go to Walmart and I see the full series sitting there, I'm like, I bet it's on a streaming service. I've never looked for it on a streaming service. Because I was on like Beetlejuice and the Addams Family. Like those two cartoons like reign supreme. True story, bro. They were so good. And so people go to see that for the slapstick and the dirty humor and all that fun stuff because it's what they remember. Yes. If you took that away, then it wouldn't be Beetlejuice. This is very true. Um, I mean, we could say that about a lot of the shows, like Spongebob. I don't like Spongebob, but I just don't like Spongebob in general. Like, it's not the show. Yeah. But it's the same concept. They but yeah, that- but Spongebob played on the series and the campiness and silliness of the series for the Broadway show. Um, yeah. Which, if you haven't watched it, there is a version of it on DVD that they recorded for Nickelodeon. It's on Paramount Plus. You can watch it. No, thank you. I'm good. If you want to try, I'm fine. <laughs> Same with Adam's Family. Any of the Disney shows, like. So I'm like, okay. yeah. So following the DC tryout, the production, including the full cast and creative team, mm-hmm. moved to the Winter Garden Theater in New York City, following some changes, from what I understand. Well, like, um, that's not unusual. Yes. I had a friend who saw it in D.C., and she said that there was a whole chunk of it that she doesn't remember because she was bored out of her mind. Oh, so that's probably what they got rid of. Yes. Um, so previews began on March 28, 2019, with an opening night set for April 25th, 2019. Then, on December 9th, the team announced that the show would be closing on June 6th of 2020. This was due in part to a contractual obligation for the theater to welcome the revival of the Music Man. He literally just said that through gritted teeth. More on this later. (laughs) We will discuss this. Not a contractual (laughs) obligation from the show, a contractual obligation at the theater. Bitches. Honestly, it just sounds like someone wasn't paying attention when they did contracts. This is true. But Beetlejuice played its final Broadway performance on March 11, 2020, following the COVID shutdown. They held out and they thought they were going to get to reopen, but then the shutdown kept getting extended and extended and extended. And they were like, we can't reopen. Boo! So the show played 27 previews and 366 regular performances. Mm -hmm. To say the fans were devastated would be an understatement. Andrew cried for three days. Shut up. (laughs) Social media was ablaze with fans. He still rants about it. You still rant about it. You're going to later. Social media was was a blaze. I wish I would have written that in these notes. With please Which from the pen? fans. 
Green. I did green for Beetlejuice. Oh, but if you're going to make it like an Pop, emphasis. I would have probably used the red, bright you, pink. You should, no, you should have done like red and like like a little bit of orange and then red so it looked like fire. Should have done an ombre effect yeah. on it? Yeah. Okay. I'll remember that. Okay. So, yeah, the fans were lobbying for the show to reopen in some capacity. Um, it was all over TikTok. It was all over it was Instagram. Everywhere. everywhere. The fans were like, please, please come back. And then just as the fans started to lose hope, on September 13th of 2021, it was announced that Beetlejuice would be returning to Broadway. To the Broadway. Hashtag the Broadway. (laughs) Uh, In the spring of 2022, so Beetlejuice reopened at the Marquee Theater on April 8th, following no preview period. That's impressive. Considering they have, I don't know about the ensemble, um, because they've just announced, they've announced everybody, but they made mention of the new cast members. Mm -hmm. Three of the principals are new. I'm like, wouldn't you want to do kind of a preview period for them just so they, they can feel it out? Nope, yeah, throw them in the deep end. Nope, throw them in the deep end. So I found I, I, I made notes that I found that a bit shocking that they weren't doing a preview um, period. I wouldn't have expected it to be a long preview period, maybe two weeks. Well, maybe they just didn't feel like they could afford to do that. Yes. So that will that note right there will lead into a discussion a little bit later. But Beetlejuice has also played a very successful run in, I never know how to pronounce it, in Seoul, Seoul, South Korea. It's Seoul. Is it Seoul? It's Seoul. The E throws me off. I know, it's Seoul. (laughs) Um, In the late summer of 2021, um, I saw pictures and video, and I'm like, never mind. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) I cannot say that. <laughs> I like that you just let that open for everyone to fill in their own thought for that. But the the fun that you could see from the actors and the audience was just like this show's going places. Yeah. It's gonna do more. And this was before the announcement that it was reopening on Broadway. So the reviews for the Broadway production seemed to mimic the DC reviews. Um, although Alex Brightman seemed to fare a lot better with the Broadway critics. Um, thanks in large part to Alex Brightman's spot-on performance as the incorrigible titular ghost, the show is a pretty fun time, from Sarah Holdren of New York's Vulture. And then the rest of the reviews, like I said, seemed to mimic. They were you know, talking about how extravagant and big and flashy and that they were relying on the slapstick and the jokes and mm-hmm. things like that to make the show seem more fun and that it had a very specific target audience, which you're all wrong because the audiences range from children to adults. Well, yeah. This would be one that Ian would love to see. Yeah. True story. So the show was nominated for eight Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Best Book, Best Scenic Lighting, Costume, and Sound Design, and a nomination for Brightman in the lead role. Um, I don't remember which one I left out. I think Best Orchestrations. No, Best Score. Best Original Score. Um, That's all eight of them. (laughs) I like their Tony performance, though. Their Tony performance is great. We'll talk about that when we get to the cast album. Yeah, it was so much fun. Um, They didn't win anything. Which was, I mean, considering... What else was at the Tonys that year wasn't, like, super shocking. Yeah. But at the same time, you're hoping they would get, like, something. Right. 
So the principal Broadway cast, the original Broadway cast, included Alex Brightman as Beetlejuice, Sophia Ann Caruso as Lydia Dietz, uh, Rob McClure and Carrie Butler as Adam and Barbara Maitland, respectively, Leslie Kreitzer as Delia and Miss Argentina, Adam Denheiser as Charles Dietz, uh, Danny Rutigliano. I practiced this so many times and I still just fucked it up. What is it? Danny Rutigliano. Tigliano? Rutigliano. I know Ru, but Tigliano? R U T I G L I A N O. Tiggy yes. Tiggy. Rutigliano. Like, um, as, it makes me want to go like tickle tickle. As Maxie Dean, Kevin Moon Lowe as Otho, and Dana Steingold as Sky the Girl Scout. Oh, I remember that part. <laughs> So, Rob McClure <laughs> left the show in, I believe, September of 2019 uh, to go do another musical in Seattle that's now currently playing on Broadway. If you don't know what I'm talking about, hello! <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, David Joseph Berg took over for him. He is coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Brightman, Carrie Butler, David Joseph Berg, Leslie Kreitzer, Adam Denheiser. Most of the original principal cast is returning for the new production. Yes. Because, like I said, we're going to talk about the term revival in regards to this new production in a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And Dana Steingold took over for Sophia Ann Caruso when she mysteriously left the production with no notice. Yeah. And I say no notice to the fans. Right. There was... was the announcement was she's left the show. There right. was no she set a date that she's leaving. No, she's just she's gone. She's gone. Um, but and we're going to talk a little bit more about oh her. Oh my God, that song, She's So Gone, just popped in my head. She's so gone Sorry. Um, so there is a new Lydia coming in, a new Miss Argentina, but Leslie Kritzer is still playing Delia. Um, so she doesn't have to do a four-minute costume change into that teal makeup. Fair. So, anything else? Oh, yes, we have plenty to talk about before we reach the cast album. The Music Man. <laughs> the Music Man. That was a musical from... I know! <laughs> Something Rotten. I know! <laughs> which we're going to see this summer, guys. Um, oh, we are. I mean, I don't know if Abby's going to go. We'll I see. I didn't know I was involved in that it's, plan. <laughs> <laughs> depends on when it's playing, if she's going to be in Hilton Head or not. I well, if it's the from the 7th to whenever that Friday is, it probably will be. Um, anyways. So this whole contractual... Here obli- comes the rant. This whole contractual obligation bullshit... Really got my goat at the time that it was announced. I would say so, because it's been how long? You still haven't let it go? Over a year. And we're recording this on February 10th. Happy opening, Sutton Foster. (laughs) You're the only one who gets a happy opening. Because I love you. (laughs) You're a jerk. Happy opening to the music band tonight. Thank you for putting your maturity pants on. I mean... I have to wait to hear a cast album before I judge Hugh Jackman. That's fair. I wasn't super thrilled with his casting. I understand why they did it. Sell tickets. I have to reserve my judgment of him until I hear it. Mm-hmm. 
some of the uh, audience member reviews of The Music Man while in previews have been less than favorable for certain people. Oh, good. That's good. Um, Sutton Foster included. Interesting. Which, again, I will reserve judgment until I hear the cast album. If there's going to be a cast album, there better be a cast album. Um, But yes, the whole Beetlejuice has to close because Music Man is coming in really got my goat because at the time, Mm -hmm. it was not mentioned that it was a contractual obligation. It was just that Beetlejuice was moving out and Music Man was moving in. First of all, oh God. Music Man was not supposed to move in until October. Yeah. Why couldn't Beetlejuice play until July? Because you know those unions, they had those sets built and taken down within a week's time. Yeah. And you know they don't rehearse at the theater until Tech Week before previews. So why such a big gap? Why such a big gap, first of all? Second of all, why didn't they just say it's a contractual obligation to begin with? I don't Instead know. of just saying Beetlejuice is closing on June 6th to make room for the Music Man. Because someone fucked up with marketing. Very true. I mean, that's literally what that sounds like. If they didn't think it was an important piece of information, and they wanted it to sound catchy, and it caught on quick. Had they have announced the Music Man at the Winter Garden Theater opening in October, then everyone would have known, well, Beetlejuice is going to have to find a new home, or it's going to close, because Music Man's moving in. The theater was not announced for Music Man until the announcement that Beetlejuice was closing happened. Right. It's kind of like how... That's how they announced where it was going to be. It was really weird. And not the best way to go about doing it. Absolutely not. Like I said, it sounds like someone fucked up with publicity and marketing. Yes. So... You know they got fired after that. (laughs) I'm just saying. Someone lost their job. We always love finding that person who's getting fired. We do it all the time. We We watch live ones. All the time. Oh, ever. Live musicals. Best Um, one ever was Hairspray Live. Because we both said it the exact same time. <laughs> uh, that was fired. fired. Out in two. Uh, that guy's fired. Um, <laughs> At least five or six people lost their jobs during oh that my God. recording. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I had nothing against the music band coming back to Broadway with Hugh Jackman. They chose the Winter Garden because it is a large house Mm -hmm. because they knew Hugh Jackman is going to sell tickets. Mm -hmm. Like I want to know if Beetlejuice knew they were going to have to close or if they were blindsided like the fans. Well, my, I would take that one step further and ask if the producers and that, or whoever that signed the contractual agreement that had that in there knew about it and like the cast did not. Yeah. Like if that tidbit was not shared with the cast. Yeah. Which is shitty. They should have. Yes. But that would be my question. Is because if it is a contractual agreement, then somebody knew about it. Because. The whole 
group, or the whole team could not have been completely blindsided by that. Yes. So the reason the whole casting makes more sense is because there has been talk over the last several months since the announcement that Bright- Beetlejuice is coming back. You almost said Bright Star. Bright Star. Beetlejuice is not coming. It's fucking shit, Abigail. <laughs> Throw me off of my train of thought. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk over the last couple months since the announcement that Alex Brightman was not going to return to the role because of how the show closed. Yes. Not COVID, but... Because of how things are handled at the end of the... The Music Man. Yeah. Yeah. But then, of course, yesterday it was announced that he is coming back. Yes. Which I promise you, I did not squeal. At least out loud. I may have gone, oh, that's fun. And then squealed and screamed like a little girl on his head. (laughs) So sweet to me. So yeah, that is my Sorry. rant. Truth is truth, man. This is truth. That is my rant about Beetlejuice and, and the music band. Are you debacle. stepping down now? I'm going to step down. Okay. We're going to discuss something else before we get to the cast album, too. Revival? Is this considered a revival? Or is this just the show closed because of COVID? Now it's reopening. Well, I don't know. Because they closed for two different reasons. Well, they were going to. Originally, they were going to be closing because of the contractual agreement. Yes. And either be closed or have to move. So. Which at the time, they were closing. They were not going to move. Talks were, there were some talks, nothing official, that they were looking for another Broadway house. But there was nothing official. Well, then the other question is, is how long does the show need to be off Broadway to, and then come back to be considered a revival. Kat asked the very same question. I Googled it. There's nothing. I mean, I don't think it's ever been written in stone. No. But at the same time, in in your mind, you think, like, a long time. Yeah. Because, like, with The Color Purple, it was 10 years. With Spring Awakening, it was 11 years. Well, I mean, not just those, though. Like, Carousel, Cats, like... You know, there's been a lot of revivals done. Yes. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking of ones that had shorter turnarounds to being revived. But that's what I'm asking is, like, there aren't any... But, uh, I mean, like, how many times has Carousel been, been done? Kiss Me Kate. How many times has that been, been a revival? How many times has Cat been, Cat's been considered a revival? You know, like... And it seems like those... Only once, thank God. But I'm, but I'm just saying, like... The, the ones that have been done over and over again. Yes. It's yeah, only, so it only guess, seems to be a few years in between. Yeah, there's no... It seems like it's only been a few years, but I can tell you, the last Kiss Me Kate on Broadway, and then the current, the most recent revival, there was a 15-year difference. So if we're thinking years, like... No, like it, almost 20-year difference. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, so yeah. we got 20 years, we have 10 years, we have 11 years... Beetlejuice has only been off Broadway what a year, two years. Two years when it reopens. Two years when it reopens. Yeah, two years in a month. So, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to say because it's been two years since it's been yeah. technically done. So, I mean, I guess you could say it is a revival because it, you know, but at the same time, do would people consider it that because it hasn't been long enough? Yes. So, especially since they bring back, they're able to bring back the original cast. Yeah. They aren't really 
changing anything, at least with the revivals. That we know about. That we know about. But usually with the revivals, they'll, like, change up the choreography. The arrangements Or change the arrangements or something. Oklahoma, look at that revival. They completely 180 that. Yes, they did. So, you know, I think it would have to, that determination would come, depending on what factors you use to determine that, when the show actually opens and more information is released if they yeah. have changed arrangements you know and or choreography or it, technical stuff because at that point then i would consider it maybe a revival because they're kind of putting a new spin on it yeah but the fact that it's only been two years yes they're bringing back the original cast yes. if they don't change any of it i would say it's just a new production yeah. of it because i mean look at community theater or, re, or you know regional theaters when they put on shows at, you know every time a community theater puts on you know, Adam's family or, you know, whatever, or, um, Annie, get your gun or guys and dolls, even like the classic ones. Yeah. They're not saying it's a revival. It, it's not, it might be a new cast, but they're still doing yeah. it the exact same yeah. way. Um, and I wasn't posing the question because I think it's a revival. I wasn't, it just, as I was writing out my notes for this episode, I was like, I wonder what this would be considered because you had, <clears throat> You know, like... There was a break in between. There was a break. and But then again, all the Broadway shows had that break. Mm-hmm. Wicked, Phantom, Lion King, all these long-running shows, you know, that didn't officially close. Beetlejuice officially closed. And there was no talk of it coming back post-COVID until September of 2021. I mean, that is true. So, I mean, if, I mean, like I said, I think it just depends because since there is nothing like written in stone yeah. about the definition of a revival of a play yes. or musical, then it, it's kind of up to them how they, they want to market that. And <laughs> Sophie Ann. Jesus Christ. And it's, it's their, their rules are very here and there for me. Like, Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cinderella with Laura Osnes. It was the first time Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cinderella was done on Broadway, but it was considered a revival. Well, because they, I mean, because I guess if you think of the definition of a revival, they're bringing it back to life, right? So, I mean, if you go by that definition, then it would be a revival. They're bringing Beetlejuice back to life. They're bringing it back to Broadway. So... And they're just fortunate enough that it's been a short enough time frame that they're able to use a lot of the original cast. And, you know, if they feel like there were tweaks that needed to be made from the original, they can do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I just, I just thought it was an interesting topic to no, discuss. I, I, think, I think so, too. I mean, like I said, I feel like part of me is like, I don't know if it's been long enough to consider it an actual revival. Yeah. But if you go by a definition, the definition that I just stated, then then it is a revival, regardless of the yeah. reasoning. Yeah. So, so let's yeah. get into the cast album. We won't get too deep. Pause. Leave pause. your comments on your thoughts about yes, it. Yes, that's true. Um, Please be nice. We're getting into the cast album. We won't talk too much on this because neither of us have actually seen the show. No. Um, we just this episode's kind of just like an educational type of thing. I, I will say this before we get into the cast album. From listening to the songs, some of them are real are a little difficult for me to get into because I can't see what's going on. So out of context, they do seem like the like the um, 
reviews kind of said, like a little much. Yeah. Like I could sit here and tell you the songs I love to listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, in fairness to the show, listening to the whole cast album, Mm -hmm. you know, for me personally, Mm -hmm. for me personally, um, is, is the way to listen to it at least the first time. Yeah. So the show itself starts with a fucking funeral. Of course it does. It's Beetlejuice. It's Beetlejuice. So it starts with Lydia's mom's funeral um, and her singing about being invisible now that her mom is dead. And then Beetlejuice chimes in with a ballad already. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) And then goes into his whole opening number, the whole being dead thing. I love this song. Which (laughs) – This song is so much fun. Bravo to Mr. Perfect. It's so good. Mr. Perfect. To Eddie Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my, 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 sir. Okay. (laughs) Bravo to Eddie Perfect for the way he wrote this song because it has been adapted. So many different ways. To fit the Tony Awards. Yes. To fit morning shows. Yep. To fit the cast album. Yep. It's amazing. Yes. The lyrics are able to be rewritten in order to fit different venues, venues, different avenues of production. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there were Tony specific lyrics. There were specific lyrics for the morning shows. And then the cast album, you know, it has the specific lyric of if you die while listening to this album, it'll keep playing. Yeah. I'm sure that's not what it is on Broadway. No. Because you're not listening to the album on Broadway. If you die during the show, we're still going to keep going. I'm so I don't know what it is. I haven't seen it. Um, it is but it a, is a very fun, upbeat number. It's a really well crafted opening number. Yes, <laughs> and because we just studied this in my Shakespeare class, it is akin to the prologue of Romeo and Juliet because it sets up the show for you. Oh yeah, it sets up the entire show. You know what to expect from this show. Even if you're not a Beetlejuice fan, if you've never seen the movie and you go to see this show, listening to this song or hearing, you know, seeing this number produce, you know what to expect from the show. Yes. So then we move into Ready, Set, Not Yet, which is Barbara and Adam Matlin, Mm -hmm. Maitland, um, singing about wanting to have a baby, essentially, Mm -hmm. and how everybody tells them they're not ready. Mm -hmm. And... They kind of come to the same conclusion, but not really. And they're like, nope, you know what? We're going to have a baby, but first let's die. Which, bravo to the set design team for this one. Mm -hmm. Because from the angle that the video of this is taken, a trapdoor doesn't just open and then they jump into it. They actually fall through the floor. You see the floor fall with them Mm -hmm. after they have spoken about the creaky floorboards in the song. Yeah. And then they go and jump on the creaky floorboards and they fall through. And then Beetlejuice comes back in to welcome them to the other side. He'll be their G-U-I-D-E to the other side. (laughs) With the whole being dead thing part two, essentially telling them, you're dead. You died in your own house. So you have reign over your house as ghosts to haunt it. Mm -hmm. Again, another really fun number. Yes. It's very brief, but it is very fun. Um, With the cheerleaders and all that good stuff. Uh, it's very akin to the Laker Girl song from yeah. Spam a Lot, which I mostly do in the summer. <laughs> and then we get Lydia's, what I consider Lydia's big number. And Sophia and Caruso, I 
absolutely love her voice. Mm-hmm. Love her voice. It's a very, I would say, punk voice. Yeah, very much so, yeah. She's got these wonderful, what's called a vocal screech that she hits at the end of certain notes. She's got this break in her voice mm-hmm. that happens occasionally. I just, uh, I like listening to this song because of her voice. I do like the song itself because it's essentially her singing to her mom being like, dad keeps wanting to know why I'm not over it yet. Yeah. Like, why I'm not over your death. Why I just can't be happy. Yeah. Um, which if you're familiar with Beetlejuice, she's a very depressed gothic kid. Very much so. Um, moving on. Next up is Fright of Their Lives. Um, couldn't. Couldn't tell you anything about the song. I just listened to it, and I cannot tell you anything about the song. That's the one thing about this album is there are certain songs that, to me, are very unmemorable. I mean, is that the one where Beetlejuice and Lydia finally met? No. Uh, no? That's not the one where everyone comes to the door? Say My Name is where they meet when everybody comes to the door is that beautiful sound. Oh, okay. Then I don't know what this one is. Yeah. There, like I said, there are certain songs that are not memorable whatsoever. That being one, um, they do a reprise of Ready, Set, Not Yet. And then No Reason is Lydia and Delia. Again, don't remember anything about it. Mm -hmm. I legit just listened to this cast album this evening. And like I said. uh, Then we've got an invisible reprise in the rooftop, which this is where we meet, where Beetlejuice and Lydia meet for the first time. Mm -hmm. And they go into him trying to get her to guess his name and to say his name three times. It's got to be spoken unbroken. I have so many lyrics (laughs) in my head. It's so sad. Um, Again, a really fun number. Yeah. You know, just from the the way that it begins to the ending um, where she essentially thinks she's killed Beetlejuice. She pushes, pushes him off the roof. Um, and she's just like, what? He's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us into the act one finale, which if you know the movie, you know this one. Mm-hmm. Dale! <laughs> Dale! Um, what I like about this one is that it's the actors actually singing. They're not lip syncing to yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I do thoroughly enjoy the scene in the movie. It's going to make an appearance at my wedding. Brittany, please don't listen to this because I want that to be a surprise. She doesn't care enough to listen to this. This is true. Um, my sister absolutely hates Beetlejuice, guys. It's funny. It's hilarious when my nephews walk up behind her and go, booty juice, booty juice, booty juice. <laughs> She's like, stop. You know I don't like that. Um but yes. Do you only like booty juice? I didn't know that. <laughs> Nobody likes booty juice. It smells. Well, but it's your sister. Um, it's true. Okay. Um, but yes, it's the full number. At the end of the number, they're clearly not being scared by the stuff the Maitlands are doing. And so Lydia gets up on the table and she says it's his name three times. Again, spoken, unbroken, but sung, really. Because it's musical. (laughs) And he jumps up, and that iconic line, it's showtime, which was how he announced that he was coming back to the show. Yep. On his Instagram. Um, And then it goes into this whole, like, kind of fun melody. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no singing, but you can tell it's kind of like that roundup of him scaring and getting everybody out of the house on the cast album. So then Act 2 starts with Girl Scout. Yeah. Um, And it's... The Girl Scout character, Sky, um, talking about all of her medical issues. It's really, like, this is one of the songs that I'm like, this is, like, out of context, not okay. Yeah, like, it's... I'm like, that's kind of, like, oh, I don't know, this, this is kind of 
pushing the envelope for me. Yeah, I'm like, this is one of those that I'm like, mm, the show can do without it. Yeah. Like, just have her show up at the door. Yeah, it's just like, I don't... Like like I said, I mean, like, maybe if I see it in person, but it's, I really doubt it, because it, it just doesn't sit well with me. It's a hardcore trigger warning. Yeah, like, very much so. Like, it's hardcore, because, like, Lydia invites her into the house, and she's like, I'm not supposed to, but okay. Like, hello, that has happened to kids. Yeah, like, don't do that. No. It, it really doesn't sit well with me. The whole That whole song is just, like... And it makes me sad because I really want to see this show and I love Beetlejuice and everything. But this song is just like, it just takes it to a level that I'm not sure I'm okay with. Yeah. But that leads into yet another fun song, which is that beautiful sound, which is Beetlejuice singing about the sound of people screaming. This song is funny. This song is hilarious. And the fact, this song is really funny. I don't know if you've seen videos of this song because they did it on one of the more, I think the view, uh-huh. um, this is the one where multiple Beetlejuices come into the scene. And so like all these ensemble members, like during intermission are like hardcore, like Beetlejuice make up, Beetlejuice make up, like p- put my wig on all that. And then they legit have to run off stage and take it all off to come back into the show. It's fun because there's lots of acrobatics that are happening yeah. during it. And there's just some funny lines. Like he talks about somebody pooping their pants. Yeah, it's really funny. Like he should have worn the brown ones. So that leads into Barbara. Too. I will say, I feel like it's a little bit of a long song. It is a little long. It is a little I long. I agree with you 100% there. It's hilarious. Like, don't get me wrong. But at some point, you start getting annoyed with the doorbells. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that beautiful sound leads into Barbara 2.0. Again, one of those unmemorable ones. Uh, what I know now is next, I, I believe that's Delia. Like, the whole, these three songs, Home being the next one, I don't remember much about. I know Home is Lydia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, these are songs that I just don't connect to. I think home isn't home is kind of Lydia's song of like finally finding her place yeah. after her mom's death. Yeah. Um, but then that leads into creepy old guy. <laughs> oh, Another. This song again, I could do without. <laughs> um, it's so like, I have like the. Broadway playlist like on Spotify yeah. so I'll play through and this song came up before I listened to the cast album and I was like what the fuck am I listening to so in the context of the show it's when she marries Beetlejuice I, I know that now but you have to understand <laughs> I, 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 know, like, I know I know if you listen to it out of context it's a hard trigger warning oh 100% it is a hard trigger warning because Lydia 100%. is a High schooler and Beetlejuice is a b- billion years old. Um, so it's creepy old guy is the name of it. It's very much the innuendo within it is that he is a pedo bear. It's it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. I mean, like I get that they're just. I think it's supposed to be like one big sarcastic joke. Yes, which I get. Because, but at the same time, I can do without this song. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I, they, I can do without the innuendo. There are... I can't... The whole thing is gross. There are some lines that are really funny, especially Lydia being sarcastic about Beetlejuice, but then those lead into some of the innuendo jokes, and those are not... I, I don't... Yeah. They're gross. They're really gross. I feel like they could have done it in a different way and still gotten the same yeah. funny lines and still gotten the same kind of funny reactions they wanted. Because if, honestly, the Girl Scout song and that song are the reason someone would leave in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. 
regardless of when they are in the show, someone will get up and leave because of those two songs. It, it, I mean, because there are the, I mean, there are people like us. We'll sit through it. We'll bitch about it later, but we'll sit <laughs> through it. But there are those people, and yes. we ha- we are friends with some of these people. They will get up and leave because it is they took it too far. Yeah, and this is probably where a lot of those comments in the reviews came from. Yes, um, I would I would agree with that because that that they they take it too far with like the slapstick yeah. and the humor and and that stuff. Even though these two songs, those two songs are not slapstick funny. If they wanted like the sarcastic humor, they're they're dark humor funny, which it which is fine. I don't have an issue with dark humor. No, I really don't. It's the gratuitous way they do it. Yes, that I have an issue with. Yes, gratuitous or gratuitous. That whatever. Because <laughs> I thought you were going to say grotesque way, and then you said gratuitous. It's the same thing. Um, they're gross, and it's whatever yeah. the other word is. Okay, so the show ends, of course, with jumping the line. Shake, 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 shake Sonora. Shake um, all the time. F you, Catherine Steele, for ruining how Lydia levitates during the song. Because now, in my mind, like, if I ever see it, I'm going to know exactly how it's done and not have the magic of theater on my side. I haven't okay? seen a lot anyway. I, I know. We've done and seen so many shows that we know how so many things work, except how the fucking Phantom disappears in the chair at the end of Phantom of the Opera. I need to know how it happens. Or the magic carpet in Aladdin. That I can get over. That? But the Phantom. He is sitting in the chair. His silhouette is under that cloth, and then she removes it, and he's gone. I have paused, zoomed in, slow-moed that fucking thing in the 25th anniversary Royal Albert Hall version so many times I digress um, and there's also a, a reprise of Dead Mom at the end of it so there you have the cast album who's texting you Mama Lyman Mama Lyman hi Mama Jane so anything else on Beetlejuice before we I like listening like if you listen to the cast album I like that this the order of the songs especially for Lydia, for Lydia you can you get the character development. Yeah. Yep. Because at the beginning, and I like how like in the beginning you, you have this like yin and yang of music style. And when I mean, I mean like ballad versus like an up tempo between Beetlejuice and Lydia. Yeah. And then like, as the, as you continue to listen, they kind of become one and you kind of get that character development of Lydia as you listen through the music. And I found that very interesting because sometimes a lot of the time you don't, you get the character development with the songs, but it's kind of like the songs are just there to support it. Yeah. These songs actually like help move it along. Like you, like without seeing the show, I get the character development for yeah. Lydia, at least from an emotional standpoint, because of the type of music that she sings yeah. through the show. So I need to go back to my rant for oh two seconds. Oh, God, I knew this wasn't <laughs> going to end. So the other thing about it was oh that Beetlejuice broke the Winter Garden box office record four times. Mm-hmm. Like, topped it each yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And they were still going to fucking close it for the Music Man. I'm going to put the box away. So that is Beetlejuice. We're going to put the box away so we can't do that. I think the cast album really played always. <laughs> Just move on. Always. Move on. Um, I think the cast album actually led to the popularity of the show. 
I think once the cast album dropped, that audiences were like, oh, this is fun music. I want to see this. Minus the... Minus, yeah, blah, blah. And... Because I'm not going to lie, like, I have reservations about those scenes. Yeah. So, the the cast album was very successful. Yes. um, And so that it got a vinyl printing on black and white swirly vinyl. I own it. It's fantastic. No, I don't own it. No, no, no. I have not gotten it. Why is she driving right now? I don't know. What the hell? Where were you? Oh, no. Zip club night. That was last week. I know this because she stopped by my place of employment on her way to the restaurant. <laughs> she walks in and I go, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm on my way. She had some time to go play off and say hi. Okay, hi. No, I do not have the Beetlejuice final. I want the Beetlejuice final. I thought you had it. I don't have it. Why did I think you had it? Did you just show it to me maybe and I just assumed you, yeah, okay. I, might do I was like, no, I just bought it. No, I bought Young Frankenstein on Vital. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's good. The one. London cast album. Um, so, that is Beetlejuice. Make your decision to see it when it comes back to Broadway. Or, it's going out on national tour in the fall. Yeah. Come to Louisville. Please. <laughs> For my sanity, so you can finally see it. <laughs> Thank you. <You're> <laughs> so, now... Into our little sidebars. Broadway news is first. I have six points of Broadway news. He thought five, then he recounted. Then I recounted. <laughs> I counted my dots. So the first of which is that the Beauty and the Beast prequel series, starring Luke Evans and Josh Gad, has been put on indefinite hold. Why? Due to delays in creative elements and I- scheduling challenges with the cast. Shocking. Shocking. I want to know more about you know, these um, creative delays. Right. Because I really, is it like supposed to be like their backstory? Like, like yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah, there's not a lot to work with there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Josh Gad doesn't have to do it. There are other people who are just as good as Josh Gad. Let it go. Okay. I'm just um, saying there's just not a lot to work with there. <laughs> so next up, as I mentioned, Beetlejuice is headed out on national tour as well as Tina and Jagged Little Pill this fall. Um, Jagged Little Pill, I would be interested in seeing because I, I have no idea based on the Tony performance. Everything's gonna be fine, fine, fine. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, like, I know what this show's about. Yeah. Because we did some research on it. Yes. But I wanna see it in person to really understand what it's about because the Tony performance gave nothing away. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it was the most confusing, like, not even confusing. It was just kind of one of those head tilt moments. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> um,. Yeah, so, like, Beetlejuice Tina's Tina, so... Tina's Tina. I'm not, like, big into the biopic musicals, um, bio-musicals. Although, apparently, Michael, the MJ musical is really good. Well, we wondered if that was going to happen because of fans. Well, I'm not just saying that it's selling well. It's, like, the reviews are really good. Oh, really? Saying that it's a really good... It's not about his life. It's about, like, a year of his life um, leading up to some concert. Oh, okay. Um, so it's still, it still, it deals with drug abuse, alcohol abuse, those type of things. It does not touch on his sensitive sub- subject. There's a couple, there's a few. Jesus juice? Uh-huh. It That's, does, or, there. Or the baby. That, too. That. There is um, a manager who is, makes a comment within the show. Um, the character of this manager makes a comment 
about being concerned about bringing his young son on tour with Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. But it's never delved into why. So Mm -hmm. it leaves the audience to think, well, maybe he just doesn't want his son going on tour. Or is it because of Michael Jackson's past? Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, the reviews that I've seen, the audience reactions I've seen, is that it's really good. That's good. So I am, that makes me kind of inclined to want to see that one. Yeah. Um, next piece of Broadway news, the off-Broadway revival of Assassins is getting a cast album. I love Assassins. I want to do Assassins. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. It's definitely not for everybody. It's I, definitely for us, though. I want <laughs> us to do Assassins. I want you to play Squeaky Fromm, and I want Kat to play Sarah Jane Moore. <laughs> I want to play Booth. Um... So on March 18th, digitally, you'll be able to listen to the Assassin's Revival with Ethan Slater of SpongeBob fame as the Balladeer. Um, from what I've seen, it looks like they've done a little bit of rearrangement and things like that. So it'll be interesting to hear that compared to the original cast album, the Broadway Revival cast album. Again, another one of those. Yeah. It played off-Broadway. And 91 came to Broadway in 2004, but was considered a revival. Yeah. Anyways, I digress again. I Uh, wish like I could reach out to somebody and ask them. Yeah. You could. I could. You could. I could. You could. I could. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know somebody who knows a lot of people. You should ask. On the Tony voting committee. You should ask. I should ask. And just find out what their definition of a revival is. That's, that's I feel like point. this is going to be an episode in our future. Yes, that's a very good point. It's weird how we come up with these ideas <laughs> while we're recording. I know, right? Um, next piece, West Side Story is available to stream on Disney Plus and HBO Max starting March 2nd. Noted. I have not seen it. So I will be watching that and we'll give my two cents on it. The next review we're going to do is Kinky Boots. Yes. Abby's never seen Kinky Boots. No. You haven't, mm-hmm. Not on Broadway HD? I don't have to anymore. Okay, so we will do a review of Kinky Boots. And my mom and my sister are seeing it. <gasps> Ooh. Because my mom texted me a few days ago asking if I wanted to go to see it with her. And I go, uh. uh. <laughs> so funny story. Funny already, story. I already have tickets. I already have a ticket. And so I mean, I told her. And Emily's like, what's it about? And mom didn't answer this Drag question. Queens. Mom didn't answer the question at all. And Emily's just like, I'll go see it with you. And so I called mom later when I got off work and I was like, do you know anything about this show? And she goes, the music's fun. And I go, <laughs> Cindy Lauper did write a very good and, and she knows that. She knows that Cindy Lauper wrote the music. She was like, well, I know this. And I was like, okay, let me give you a, a brief synopsis of what you're going to see. Okay. And she goes, oh, that sounds like so much fun. And I was like, I didn't think you would like not like it. I'm just wanting you to know what you're going to see. And, and praise be to those of us who know Derby Dinner actors, Dickie is not one of the angels. Aww. You want to see him in drag? No, I want to see the other one in drag. The shorter one. Which shorter one? He played the... Adam? Is that his name? The one that played the, the boyfriend in Legally Blonde in the courtroom scene? Yes. That's Adam. Adam, Adam is on the Hairspray tour right now. Ah! <laughs> I wanted to see him in drag! But we are very make- excited that Adam is on the Hairspray tour. Congratulations. No, yeah, congratulations. I'm so excited for you. But man, I wanted- he would be so pretty. He would be very pretty. He'd be so pretty. He'd, he's another one of those very good looking men. Next national tour, he should do Kinky Boots. Right? 100%. Uh, okay, next piece of news is the cast, the the lead casting in the Color Purple film. 
Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Danielle Brooks. I saw a little bit about that, yeah. Yeah, Danielle Brooks, who played Sophia in the most recent revival. She's also of Orange is the New Black fame. Yes. Um, she will be playing Sophia in the film. Her video being told. Oh, I just got chills thinking about it. She was talking to one of the producers about what it would mean to her to be in the film um, by Zoom. And then Oprah Winfrey pops in <laughs> and tells her she's playing Sophia. And if you know anything about Danielle Brooks, she's got a very low voice. Yes. Her voice went up four octaves. <laughs> Four octaves when Oprah popped on that screen in her purple glasses, her purple shawl, being like, I'm here representing all things purple. And Danielle, you are our Sophia, Sophia. (laughs) Is it sad I can do that? (laughs) You get to be Sophia. You get to be Sophia. Everybody, Sophia. No, not everybody. Not everybody. everybody Danielle Brooks is Sophia. Yeah, not, not everybody can be Sophia. Now. I was not surprised at the casting of Seely, who's the other lead, mm-hmm. but I wondered why they went with Fantasia, Fantasia Burino of American Idol fame. Mm-hmm. Fantasia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did play it mm-hmm. in the revival. Mm-hmm. Cynthia Revo was the original. Well, Cynthia Revo is a little busy. Yes, and that's what Kat was like, uh, why isn't she doing it if she did it in the revival? Because she busy playing she's a, Alpha Ball. She's a little busy right now. She's like, busy being Alpha Ball. Which I'm so excited about. I wasn't shocked when they said Fantasia was playing it, but I was also Can like... Can we just say that it... I honestly didn't know who you were talking about until you said American Idol fame, and then I remembered who she was. <laughs> sorry, she, I'm she, so sorry. I have no idea who it is. <laughs> she, like, did American Idol. I don't Idol. expect you to know. No. She was on American the, Idol. She had a thing with the... Yes. Um, <laughs> she was on American Idol. She had, like, the real quick fame after American Idol, like some of them do. And then she dropped off. And then Lifetime did the Fantasia Burino story. Nope. That's nope. one of their, their original movies. And then she did The Color Purple on Broadway. Um, I don't know if she's done anything else. But she did well, The Color Purple honest. on Broadway. Really and then honest. she's kind of disappeared again. She disappeared um, from me right after American Idol. Didn't. Taraji P. Henson, who just played Miss Hannigan in uh, Annie yes. Live, yes. is playing Shug Avery. Is <laughs> coming to town. I Shug. love, I love her. She has such good time. Why don't I have more friends when I can do things like that? I don't know because you do things like that. They go. <laughs> you do things like that. Because you do things like that. Because you do things like that. And they go. Oh, okay. Bye bye. Shug Avery. Someone in Dick's meds today. I'm gonna go down. see if I. I just took my meds. <laughs> one of them. I took my other one this morning. Good for you. I'm, for, I'm glad. Anyway. Um. We digress. Digress. So, the last piece of Broadway news I have to be on our merch hashtag. I digress. I digress. We digress. <laughs> <laughs> the last piece, if you can't tell, these are all things that excite me. Um, Smash, the new musical based on the, I'm going to say it, hit television show, has set a summer 2022 workshop reading, and it is eyeing Broadway for spring of 2023. Now, mind you, Smash premiered 10 years ago. It did. Megan Hilty had a minor conniption on TikTok about it, <laughs> being 10 years since Smash premiered and she still looks amazing essentially smash and the the musical within smash bombshell have been in development since 2014 when the show ended yes so it's not surprising that oh god that means that baseball song is gonna come back (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I hate you so much right now. Oh my god, all I can see is the baseball bat. Oh my god, I hate you so what much. What is that? Oh my god. After what is that? The baseball bat. Oh my god. If you don't know what I'm talking about. After I just talked about Mr. Eddie Perfect being gorgeous <laughs> man and now I've got this baseball bat. That is the most sexual song about baseball I've ever seen in my life. If you the don't things know, that she does with a baseball bat. If you don't know it, watch Smash and I think it's called America, The Greatest Pastime. I think it's they called also the, do it in the, the, the concert yeah. version, which I don't know if it's available anywhere. It might I, be on YouTube. You could probably find it on YouTube. Yeah. If you search hard enough. But it, So it does not surprise me that they're workshopping this summer and eyeing a spring 2023. No. My only concern about in. the Smash one is taking a whole TV series and translating that onto stage. Now, mind you, it was two seasons. They can do... Smash just based off of season one, which was the lead up to Bombshell opening on Broadway. Right. Which I think would be the better option. option. Um, because season two brings in this new musical hit list. Yeah. And then them competing for the Tony Awards and things like that. So I think it, it'll it be interesting to see what they do. I'm just, my concern is... Trying, you know, it's, it's taking like, two seasons of a well, show. Well, not even just the two seasons. Even if it's just they go with the one season, it's like taking a book and putting it into a movie. Yes. Like, what the, the hell? Fuck. The. F- <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, it's like putting, taking a book okay, and, it into and, a and turning it into a movie. There's so much that happens in that yes. first season, and there are so many songs for them to choose from. And if you don't choose the right ones, fans gonna be pissed. Abby secretly just wants Jeremy Jordan to do it and to sing Broadway Here I Come. Yes, please. Yes, please. I, uh, <laughs> I love it. I'm it's, high above the city. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. But Jeremy Jordan might be a little busy. We're hoping. I'll, I would, Yes, please. We're hoping. I mean, if they find someone that can sing it just as well, I'll be fine. I just yes. love that. I love the way he sings that song. <laughs> She's trying to get Stitch. Hey, hey, you can't get it. You can't get it. She's like, what the fuck's that in the window? <laughs> She's trying to get stitched through the window. Take stitch down. So, yes, I agree with you. It's it's going to be difficult for them to either squeeze one season or even two seasons into a two and a half hour musical. And doing it well. And doing it well. Like, that's that's my concern. Yes. Because there are so many great songs for them to choose so from. So many. Um, What's the one? Um, Hot in a Storm is another one. Yes. They have to include. Yes. So we will I, – I for sure will be keeping an eye on this. Um, hopefully once they do the workshop, maybe somebody will accidentally on purpose drop some of the songs that they're looking to include um, if you're involved. <laughs> Contact me. <laughs> Backyardbroadway.podcast at gmail.com, please. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's the Broadway news I have for today. So now I'm moving into Rec Room. Rec Room. Abby's going to create a jingle for us for Rec Room. Rec Room. So my first recommendation is Julie Andrews' audiobook of Homework. Okay. Her most recent memoir. She's done two, Home and Homework. (gasps) Sorry, go ahead. Homework is about her film career Mm. from Mary Poppins to I don't know where because I'm not done with it yet. Have you seen the TikToker that is drunk Julie Andrews? Yes. Oh my God. So funny. Sorry, go ahead. Um, there's something about listening to 
the actual author. And mind you, I love Julie Andrews and I love her voice. And to hear Julie Andrews say shit <laughs> and bitch <laughs> just does something to my soul, guys. <laughs> Julie Andrews, and it's told well. Okay. Um, the way she talks about each movie and the way she talks about um, her marriage, her kids, her family life. It's just, I, I, give it a listen. Give it a listen. I have not listened to Home. Because that's just about her early life and her early years on Broadway. Um, I've read it. It's a good book. So the recommendation is there for that. But really it's it's the audiobook of homework because of just the way it's told and actually hearing her tell the stories. Yeah. Sorry, my reaction to homework reminded me of a show on Discovery Plus. There's a show on Discovery Plus called Homework. And it's about this couple, I don't know where. And it's literally like just eight episodes and it's them renovating their new family home because they bought a school. Oh, they're a blended family. They have seven kids. Oh, wow. Three boys on each side, I believe. And then one girl together. And so they found this old school. I can't remember exactly. Like it's old school and it's their journey of renovating this into their family home huh. and and they're such they're a very sweet couple and they have their own business like she's a contractor and is you know loves old homes and renovates it and all that stuff and they do have clients they show some of the client homes that they do while they're doing their home um but the way that they are able to transform this schoolhouse into their family home and i mean it's a huge building huge they they had enough space to do a giant, like, the whole third floor they gave to the boys. Each one has their own, like, bed cubby area. Yeah. Because it's all open. Then their daughter has her own room with an attached playroom and stage. Like, a little stage under the stairs. With... I need that. With stairs that go up to, like, a little balcony area. And a peephole that the eyes come out of the big painting they have on top of their stairs. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's amazing. That is fantastic. And then each of the guest rooms they have are themed. But not like in a weird, like, like some old homes you see, like they have like gothic rooms and like the walls yeah. are purple. It's not like that. Uh, like they have like an art deco room. Ooh. They have uh, a whole room dedicated to the school. So they have, like, memorabilia from, like, uh, uh, like old, you know, the, what are the triangles? The pennants, right? Yeah. Um, or, and pictures of, like, old classes. Uh, they even found some students that went there a long time ago and brought them in to see the house. There was a whole separate building on the property that they renovated into a s- small home for her grandmother. Mm. So that way she can come stay with them and, and stuff like that because she's really close with her grandparents. And, um, I mean, the whole thing, the, the way that they were able to renovate this home, bring it back to life, and really embrace the character that this home has but still making it theirs. Yeah. And what I love about her is, like, you see a lot of these people on these shows, like, they bring in a lot of light colors and whites and, you know, some of the more trendy things, like the farmhouse stuff and, you know, all that stuff. And she is kind of the opposite she really likes darker, richer colors on the walls and is gravitated to older things. Like, they have a whole collection of these antiques that they just had in storage. Like, and I mean, like, they have an antique, like, from 17, 1800 from England. Like, 
old antiques. And so just to see them bringing those pieces and incorporating them, it's just awesome. It's so much fun. I can rewatch it right now. It's I, so much fun. I want Abby and I to buy this old mansion out on Shelbyville Road in Simpson Mill <laughs> and restore it to, the, to its 1930s Art Deco glory. They did go to the high school there that has like a Art Deco type theme in the theater. Ooh. So like it's like the theater in Cincinnati where it's like you look up and you see all yeah. that. It, that the school theater has all of this, like the murals and like the oh, cherubs and shit everywhere. That's insane. It was crazy. That's insane. Angels and stuff and the gold <laughs> and like everything. I was like, oh my God, this is the high school theater? <laughs> what the fuck? Well, that's Abby's first rec room. Uh. <laughs> just, I mean, yours made me think of that. Yeah. Because they did like all of them. And it was kind of weird because like as I'm watching, because each one is like a room that they did, right? But they never showed an episode of them doing their front hall, like the entrance and like the stairs in the front hall. And they saved that for their Christmas episode when they decorated for Christmas. Because she, and that's the, she's very like crafty, craft person too. She got cardboard and like, like styrofoam and like things like that and made a faux gingerbread house that was, like, the model of their home. Ooh. It was, like, this big. But she, like, used, like, um, the, like, stuff that you use around your tub, like the caulking. Yeah. Like, one of those, like, to make the icing on it. Left to watch And, this. like, all that stuff. It was really cool. They made an entire, uh, like, for their craft room. They have a whole separate craft room for the kids and stuff. They got different colored papers and put them on three different rolls and hung them on the wall. And one of them's bright green so they can, like, do videos and stuff and, like, impose different backgrounds nice. if they want to. It's the craziest shit I've ever seen. Have you watched The Ugliest House in America? Yes. Can <laughs> I legit just talk about this this morning? I... She goes, I love that that girl won. I go, she better her dad bought her a brothel. Right? <laughs> she was like, she was like, Daddy I can't... bought her a whorehouse. She goes, I can't believe they took out all the cameras. And the glitter. I'm like, those are the things that you focus on? What about the smear dye in the carpet? Because it was so disgusting. I love that they kept a piece of the ceiling and framed it. I know. That was really funny. Um, and, so, or that they repurposed those faucets. Yes. That, that was too. really cool. Ugliest House in America I mean, on Discovery Plus. I didn't even know some of these places existed. Right. Like the, the theme park house. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you think – I say theme park. You're thinking like, oh, they must have like a roller – no. No yeah. roller coaster. There's nothing like – it's not like clowns and circusy. No. Like – There's a sea theme room. The there's Aztec. A, there's a Aztec basement. Jungle. jungle. Uh, there's a giant fountain of Poseidon yeah. in the front yard. That can stay. That can stay. Uh, that was just like – they drove up and I saw that and I go, oh, this is going to be interesting. Like, you know, like, right <laughs> off the bat. Like, that. And then, like, you see the front door with, like, the third eye. Yeah. And shit. And you're like, oh, what yeah. What are we walking into? Did they do that or did they just <laughs> decide to keep that? Right. And literally, they just decided to keep all of it because they can't afford to renovate any of it because it's all made out of cinder block or cement. <laughs> so, my next rec room, my next recommendation. Ugly Houses in America. That um, is a CD. It is called A Perfect Little Death. It's by Ellery Ward. Ellery is spelled E-L-E-R-I. Um, I found her on TikTok. Mm. She is a folk musician. Mm-hmm. And she has done this album, A Perfect Little Death. It's all Sondheim covers. Oh, wow. And she did a video recently. Um, she knows that Sondheim listened to it before he died. Um, she doesn't know how Sondheim felt about it. <laughs> that she never got. 
Um, but she knows that he at least did listen to it and knew of it ex- of its existence. Um, I was listening to it the other day, and it actually I was having a weird day. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like one of my funk days. It was just a weird day. Mm-hmm personally. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to it and it kind of grounded me and centered me. Oh, wow. Just it's because it's folk music, which I'm not inclined to listen to, mm-hmm. but it kind of is so mellow that I was just like, Oh, this is nice. Mm-hmm. I like this. Okay. Um, it's one of those that like I would listen to going to sleep. Oh, okay. So that, those are my recommendations. You have any more? No. Because, again, I kind of threw this recording on onto Abby. As he always does. <laughs> all right. So that's all we have for this evening. I was going to say something else and completely just left my mind. We have other things in the works. We do have other things in the works. Um, we have not forgotten about our dear listener who wants a Tick, Tick, Boom episode. You have to give me a deadline. We're just waiting for Abby to watch it. You have to give me a deadline. All right. I'm giving you a deadline of. Like, do you want to do it next week? Yes, we can do it next week. Okay, then I'll have it done. What, what day next week? Let me get back to you on that. You have to give me a deadline. Same I with will give you a deadline. West Side Story. You give me a deadline. I will give you a deadline. Okay. So, yes, we have not forgotten about the request for a Tick, Tick, Boom episode. We will do an episode about West Side Story. Um, <laughs> it's just hard because of my kids. This is true. Um, I do still have some on the back burner that we've recorded that I'm, I'm – Slowly but surely editing some stuff out of that is not pertinent anymore, like the Broadway news yeah, <laughs> and all the COVID stuff. Um, so they will be posted intermittently um, on those, and I'll probably just call them flashback episodes if I can't edit some things out. There's all that. So with all that being said, I'm Andrew. I'm Abby. We'll see you next time. Bye. Can we go inside now?